So any pressure from a garment can cause these lymphatics to compress and that causes the lymph fluid to be congested in the breasts. So women start experiencing breast pain and the biggest cause of breast pain is this, bras, causing lymph fluid backup. You are listening to The Medicine Podcast. I am Mimi. What is up everybody? This is Chase. So long story short, we were childhood sweethearts turned husband and wife in our early 20s. Despite following the mainstream script for happiness, we actually divorced for three years. Only to later reunite as soulmates with a brand new outlook on love, God, health, and the real medicines of the universe. If you find yourself wondering, is there more to this life, to health, to God, to love? Then you are in the exact right place. Consider this your bridge to expansion for body, mind, and relationships. We are uncovering and discovering with you. Let's go take the medicine. Hello, hello, my loves. Welcome back to the Medicine Podcast. Okay, make sure you listen to this whole intro because I share giveaway details towards the end. This episode is a very unique one because it's the first time in almost three years that we've had this podcast that we are re-releasing a previous episode. This episode is way back from number 18, recorded in early 2020 when the first quarantine was going on. So I know many of our newer listeners haven't heard it yet, but honestly, this is possibly the most important episode for women to hear. I firmly believe that every woman needs to hear the information that we share in this episode. Our guest is Sydney Ross Singer, who is a medical anthropologist, which means he specializes in studying the root causes of lifestyle-related disease, specifically disease caused by clothing, in this case, how breast health is affected by our bras. I would guess that every woman knows the feeling of coming home after a long day, taking off your bra and feeling like, oh my God, just a huge sigh of sweet relief. Feeling like you can finally move your body fully and just finally be able to take a full breath. Have you ever wondered why that is? Well, we talk about it in depth today why this is such a relief, what your body is actually communicating to you, and why you'll never hear the bra industry talking about this. This topic of breast health and the potential causes of breast cancer is very near and dear to my heart because when I was 14, my mother was diagnosed with breast cancer. Thankfully, she was able to heal her body without conventional methods of chemo and radiation, But ever since then, I've had a deep interest in how I personally can prevent it for myself. So when I first heard Sydney discussing his research into bra wear, I knew I had to get him on the show. The information and statistics he shares today will blow you away. As always, I encourage you to listen to this episode with an open mind, as most of the topics we share on the medicine go against much of what the mainstream culture and industries teach us. There's so much we don't even question in life because it's just quote-unquote normal to our society. And bras definitely fall into that category because from the age of 12 or so, We are taught that every woman needs to wear a bra, that it's normal, so we don't really think about it. And because I am so adamant about as many women as possible hearing this information, 
we are doing a giveaway with this episode. So if you share it on your Instagram and tell your homies why they need to listen, then we'll be entering you into our giveaway. But you have to tag me. Make sure you tag me on Instagram at Mimi underscore the medicine so I can see your entry. And if you have a private page, make sure you you send it to me directly. Then the winner will be chosen this Sunday and will receive some of my favorite clear stem skincare products. So again, all you have to do is just take a screenshot, tell your homies why they should hear this episode and make sure you tag me at Mimi underscore the medicine, then you'll be entered. So easy. Thank you so much for listening and sharing. We love you all. Okay. Enjoy this very important conversation with Sydney Ross Singer on bras and breast health. Cheers. Oh my gosh, you guys, I have such a treat for you today. I am speaking with Sydney Ross Singer, as you know from the intro. I'm going to call him Sydney. Um, but good morning. Good morning, Sydney. Good morning. It's so good to be with you, Mimi. Yes, I am so excited to talk to you. You have some incredible information that you've discovered over the years with your work, and I am so stoked to share it with all of my listeners and my audience. Um, I know they're really, really going to enjoy it, and it's super powerful, super pertinent to every woman, and um, and I think that they're they're really going to connect with it. But first, before we jump into your amazing work, I want to ask you a question that I ask every guest of mine. Mm -hmm. And that is, what do you love? What aspect of your life do you love so much that you wish you could gift to every human? Well, um, I think for me, it's my uh, love of learning and wisdom, which has been like my, um, that's been what I've done all my life. I just love accumulating, uh, changing my mind as I grow and learn. Because mm. I think uh, if you think you know it all when you're really young, then you've got a closed mind and you're finished. So um, I've accumulated a lot of information over the years and I've uh, really, I love to share that. And that's what I've been doing all these years. So it's, it's my love for wisdom and my sharing of that information, which is mm. why, why I'm here with you today. I love that. An open mind. I think it's, um, I think a growth mindset, right? Mm -hmm. I think yes. that's, that's one of the most important things that we all can adopt if we don't have it already. And then keep as definitely, I'm only 30 years old, but I'm so thankful I have that as well, where mm -hmm. it feels like you continue to sponge information and knowledge and you're never done. Right. It's kind of right. a burden, though, too. <laughs> it is. Uh, well, our, our discovery that we're going to talk about today has been a life mission of sharing because it's when you discover something really important that can affect so many people, it does feel like a burden. To, you know, yeah. It's a, response, a responsibility. Um, yeah. And that's what's driven me all of these years. Yeah. yeah. When, I, when I first heard you speaking on a different podcast, um, that's really what caught my attention most about you was the familiarity of how you speak and how passionate you are. Mm -hmm. And although it may seem like a big, not a, not a big burden, but something on your shoulders that like, I have to get this out. The bigger burden would be if you didn't. Mm -hmm. Right. 
Mm-hmm. That's yes. how I feel with the work that I do. So that I, I totally recognize that and it was totally familiar. And I thought I have to interview this man. Um, so with that, I would mm-hmm. love to just jump right in. I have a ton of questions for you. Um, you have a very unique title and um, you, you, it, it's, um, you can explain it. Obviously, I'll let you go into detail about it. But medical anthropologist. What exactly is that, and how did you? How did your background lead you to this? Well, um, what I do is I examine how the culture makes us sick, and um, because we all know that most of our diseases are lifestyle related. I mean, we're doing it to ourselves, and very little is genetics. So, with lifestyle, environment, and genetics are the three major causes of disease, and environment is very much affected by culture as well. So um, when I, when I was studying back in, you know, with my education, um, there wasn't a clear path for what I'm doing. And in fact, I didn't even know this was going to be my path. I started off um, wanting to be a veterinarian when I was undergraduate and help animals. And um, I soon got channeled towards research because that's the way my mind is. And I got interested in biochemistry, which explains that when you study medicine, it's basically a biochemistry model. Everything is on a chemical cellular level. That's, that's because drugs are made to work on that level. So the fundamental aspect of medicine is biochemistry. And, um, and after I was in biochemistry for a while, though, I got, I, I, I was feeling like it was too limited to look at the world simply in these chemical terms. I mean, clearly we're more than chemicals. And I, uh, at that time, got interested in anthropology because my whole education up until then was extremely hard science. And uh, anthropology was teaching me that there are other ways of looking at the world. It's not just one way. I mean, there are some cultures that are not even, they, they think of time differently, of space differently. I mean, so I became very interested in anthropology and I actually switched um, to my PhD program from biochemistry into anthropology. And this was at Duke University. And after a couple of years of that, which was very satisfying, opening my mind to different ways of understanding, um, I became frustrated because anthropologists sort of study problems through an academic lens and write about it, and that's it. And I, when I was seeing problems in the world, I didn't want to just study them. I wanted to help change them and improve them. And that is not what an anthropologist does. So um, I left anthropology after a couple of years in that PhD program. I got a master's degree from Duke. And then um, after working for several years in uh, selling insurance, actually, I then decided uh, that was during the AIDS epidemic. And, and I, I wanted to do more than just sell insurance policies. And, and I, I knew with my abilities, I, I should definitely be going back into medicine. So I uh, went to medical school at University of Texas Medical Branch at Galveston, and they recruited me for their PhD program as well in medical humanities, which was integrating all the humanities as they relate to medicine. And I, that's the kind of person I am, integrative and eclectic. I thought it would be great. Um, and after... Um, a year of being in that program, the PhD program, then I started my medical training and I was going to go back into the PhD program. But I was having a problem because the medical school, um, this is in Texas in the, in the late 80s. Uh, they don't do this anymore. I'm not sure if that school does it anymore. But at the time, I was very sensitive to animal issues. I still am. 
um, to me, animals are like people. I care, they, they have feelings and they need to be respected. And medicine is built on a, a foundation that it, has, it rests on animal research. And when I was in biochemistry, there was a lot of animal research involved. And I'd seen things in, in the dungeons of these universities where the animals are kept and, and experimented on. And that was very disturbing to me. That one of the reasons I left biochemistry. So here I was going into medicine to be a healer. And I was being told you need to do um, these animal uh, demonstrations on live animals and then killing them at the end. And the demonstrations weren't necessary to learn. And a lot of schools don't use them. And this wasn't just your standard ethically euthanizing white mice, right? It no, wasn't. These are on dogs and, and they would um, like to study the heart pumping, uh, the effect of different drugs on the heart. They would take dogs and, and put them on a, an EKG monitor and, and then give them various drugs and you see if it goes faster or slower. I mean, there was really nothing to it, intelligent, nothing intelligent to this. They didn't learn how to read EKGs. It was just a matter of seeing the changes in heartbeats. And then at the end, you kill the dog. Mm. You cut out its heart. You cut open the heart, look for heartworms, which humans don't get. And I, I tried getting out of these labs. I mean, they don't do them in many places, and um, there are substitutes for them. And these days, they never force students to do this because of, of ethical reasons. But at this time in history in Texas, um, they wanted to make sure I complied. And, and I, I was not... To me, if you can't force a medical student or a doctor to do something that's against their beliefs, their moral right. beliefs. So, um, and I was in a department that taught medical ethics. I mean, that was part of medical humanities. And mm. I, my department was sort of sympathetic to my cause, but they said they couldn't help me because they got a paycheck from the same university. Yeah. So they had a conflict of interest. And ultimately, um, I started realizing more and more that medicine was not it was so based on on just on on um, just finding um, identifying diseases and finding out what drug to give for them. There was nothing about prevention. There was no uh, the, the whole view of medicine was um, extremely limited and full of animal cruelty. And it wasn't. And I started to I, I insisted in not getting uh, in the lab and getting an ex, getting an exemption. And they ultimately gave in after I pressured like crazy, but it ended up turning me into a um, uh, getting blacklisted on campus. I mean, students were even afraid to talk to me because uh, wow. the faculty was was they it was a big backlash. In fact, you know, my name Sid Singer. Um, they had on my picture there was a picture of the medical students behind a glass wall, a glass case in in the uh, you know where we were working on campus and you know, the class of my class that I was in. And um, under my name, one of the faculty members crossed out Sid Singer and put Shit Slinger. Oh my and, gosh. Yeah, this I should have. faculty member? Yeah, yeah. And they, I, would, I started writing, I complained about it and somebody took it off. I should have sued them for harassment. But in any event, I was in that kind of an environment. I started writing articles for the Houston Chronicle and the Galveston Daily News about animal cruelty in medicine and my why I should be let out of doing these labs. I, I, I was just asking for an alternative, but they were afraid it was a slippery slope. If we, if we say wow. yes to you, then before you know it, we won't be able to do animal research. And the guy had to get out of the lab, the, that I had to appeal to who ran the lab. He did burn research on dogs. So um, he had no sympathy for animal suffering. He was desensitized. How, how, how do you maintain 
empathy and sympathy just as a, a human to human interaction when that's the bulk of your job. <laughs> and, and to me, no, really, like, no. I know this is not like the, 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 the main part of who you are and your story and everything. But like, what this shows me is that you have a very strong moral compass and oh, yes. ethical code that you stick to. And, and by the way, like, you say, like, this is what was going on in you know the late 80s in texas they don't do that anymore because now it's considered unethical right mm -hmm. and so it's like oh my gosh just a matter of a like not that many, not that long ago this no. was going on and yeah. now it's considered unethical and it just so happens that it, yeah that's well that's i was awful. one of the i was one of the people that helped push these issues i mean all of these animal issues now to say you're a vegan or a vegetarian is cool and very mainstream. When I was in the 80s being a vegan, um, because I didn't I want to participate in animal abuse, I mean, they, they said to me at campus, if you're against animal research, then why are you wearing animals or why are you eating animals, you know, and leather and all. So I became, to be consistent, I became a complete vegan. Now, and in those days, you said you were a vegan. Nobody knew what that was. So right. we were like pioneering the animal animal issue. And being a medical student and pioneering that, I got connected with animal groups because I was needing their help. I needed some help. So I threatened the a lawsuit with the school. I said, if you don't let me do this, you know, I'll sue. Uh, give me an alternative. You can't force a student to do, like, would you force a medical student who is anti-abortion to conduct abortions? You know, right. perform abortions? You wouldn't do that. You'd say, oh, well, if, you, if that's against your beliefs, we're not going to be, you know, forcing medical students to do that. Well, in my, I was trying to argue the same way. And at that time, the animal issue was not what it is now. And uh, Peter was in its infancy. And that's how I met my wife, uh, Soma Grissmeyer, who runs um, the Good Shepherd Foundation, which is an animal protection organization. They were in California. I was in Texas. And um, so I, I met them. Uh, I started giving talks about alternatives to animals in medical education and why it's important to do that. And the bottom line was I became so disenfranchised with medicine and the way they do everything and how insensitive they were. I mean, the insensitivity to the animals is actually a rite of passage that desensitizes the student to suffering so that the next thing they do is start practicing on people. So you have to, in fact, when I asked to get out of the lab, I was told by the head of the lab that they couldn't give me an alternative because there is no alternative to feeling and smelling the blood on your hands. That's what they told me. Oh, okay. Yeah. And if that's wow. medicine and you're a healer, you're going to go crazy. And that's why there's so many unhappy doctors because mm -hmm. people who come to medicine with compassion yes. find that you're dealing with a system that does not care, that's built on animal abuse. I mean, how can you trust a doctor who's willing to torture an animal? All right. So anyway. Yeah. I ended up leaving medicine and integrating my, my interests and creating what is applied medical anthropology. Applied means uh, when, when it's, uh, um, as opposed to basic research, applied research is when it focuses on a specific problem. So what we did was we tried saying, okay, if lifestyle is what's killing us, then why aren't I learning as a doctor any lifestyle issues? I mean, they hardly even talk about diet, especially back then. I mean, they, there was no mention of anything about prevention, anything about how to take care of yourself. It was all about trying to find what drug to give for what treatment, for what condition. The conditions are, are defined for drug use or surgery. If you ask what's the cause, they don't know. Well, we ended up 
getting, um, so I, I left medicine to do my own thing as a medical anthropologist and, and pioneered this field where you don't need animal research. You need human research because we're looking at human caused disease related to our culture. So it's not like we can take a virus and inject it into an animal. We're talking about like what happens when you smoke or what happens when you're too sedentary or you're way stressed out or you're wearing constrictive clothing or you're sleeping the wrong way or you're all these things that we do because of our culture, how we eat, how we, how we prepare our foods, the music we listen to, the I mean, it goes on and on and on. We are cultural entities. We're not just biological entities, which is a big mistake in medicine. Medicine thinks of us in terms of rats and dogs and cats and monkeys, because to them, it's all a biological unit and there's similarities. So if we can do some analog analogy uh, type of research, hopefully what we learn on one species may or may not be applicable to another, but it's, it's all, it is what it is. So it, like breast cancer research, because we're going to be talking about that, mm -hmm. they'll be able to study breast cancer in tissue culture, which is just cells, um, in other animals, you know, mouse, mouse lines that develop tumors in their breasts, uh, in their mammary glands spontaneously because of genetics. And we use these as models for human breast cancer. The thing is, as an anthropologist medical person, I don't just see women as biological units. I see, and, and, and breasts as just a part of that biological unit that you can cut off and look at and describe separately. Women's breasts are culturally defined. Mm -hmm. If you, the way you use your breasts, if you pierce them, tattoo them, constrict them with bras, um, implant them with silicone, use them to nurse a baby or not, um, all the things, reduce them in size. Um, there's, women basically think of their breasts as fashion accessories in our culture. And they have become so alienated from its biological function, but that's culture. Now, there yeah. are a lot of cultures that do that kind of thing too, you know? Yeah. Uh, so you can't understand the breasts unless you understand how women treat them, which is a cultural issue. Right. And, and totally misses the boat on that kind of a thing. That's what I, I really want my listeners to hear about is, is breast health. And... <sighs> So to summarize, um, you look at a person, I'm just going to use one person individually. You look at a person and their whole lifestyle and how it is related to their culture and society and what parts of their life could be contributing to disease or, or unnatural conditions in their life that may be conventional or Western or, you know, the gold standard quote, gold standard of medicine wouldn't necessarily look at, Hey, what are you doing on a day-to-day -day basis? What's your stress level? Like, what's this like, what's that They're They're not necessarily assessing all of those cultural and societal and lifestyle factors like an applied medical anthropologist, such as yourself. Exactly. Okay. And very well said. You described that well. Good. Okay. Well, I'm glad. And you already kind of jumped into it, which is so great. Um, the For all you listening, the reason why I wanted to bring Sydney on was because um, I will speak for myself. Uh, we're going to talk a lot about boobs and breast health and cancer and all of that in this episode. Um, but and it's going to get really like, I'm, I'm just going to get vulnerable and get con like 
totally transparent with people because people need to know. I think women need to know about this and it's not being talked about, which is why I want to talk about it. Mm -hmm. Um, For probably the last, I don't know, I would say nine months or so, I have felt a complete shift in my health and I've been doing certain things to, to level up my health on, on every level, you could say on every frequency. And one of those things, which isn't, it wasn't even on purpose. It just kind of happened. And then I started feeling really good and a lot better and I kept doing it. And that is, I stopped wearing a bra. Uh, The only time I wear a bra is, is basically when I'm working out and maybe 1% of the other time, if I have to like go into an office or something. And we're going to talk about that too. (laughs) But I just wanted people to get a baseline of why this is important to me and why I think it's important for every woman and that I have made changes in my life apart from even talking to you before I even knew who, who you were or what you did. This was something that I recognized in my life. Like I feel a lot better and I didn't even know why. But now after hearing you, I'm connecting little dots here and there. And Mm -hmm. anyways, I just wanted to give people that kind of disclaimer background on me and kind of give you the floor now to talk about um, the illusion, the myth um, of bras and that their necessity and what they could actually be, how they could actually be harming us. And um, so can you explain the incredible discovery that your wife's breast cancer diagnosis led you to? Yes, actually, she didn't have a breast cancer diagnosis, but she discovered a lump in her breast. Oh, okay, excuse me. We didn't get it diagnosed with x-rays because she was pregnant and we didn't want to start exposing the baby to, to any of that. Plus, if it was, if it was a cancer, I mean, we didn't even want to think about how to treat it because any of those things can affect uh, a fetus too. So what happened was um, after, after I left medicine, we went to Fiji to do some field research on a different subject. But while we were there, um, Soma discovered uh, a lump in her breast, which freaked us out because she's a very healthy woman and, um, and has typical good lifestyle practices. And it, a week before that, a very interesting thing happened. We were on a remote island in Fiji, and um, bras were kind of rare there. And uh, this teenage girl saw, saw Soma um, hanging up a bra that she had, had just washed, and she was hanging on the line. And um, the girl came over and asked, you know, what is that? And can I look at it? And, and so, why do you wear it? And Soma was like a little perplexed. Why do you wear a bra? And she said, well, I don't know why, but women in my culture just do that. And and the girl said, isn't it tight and uncomfortable? And Soma thought about that. And she said, well, I suppose it is, but you sort of get used to it. And then a week later, we discover this lump and we go back to the mainland. We sort of put that conversation in the back of our minds as interesting. Um, and then when we arrived home um, after a long flight from Fiji uh, back to California, where we lived at that time, um, Soma went to take a shower and took off her clothes and we're, we're looking at her, her breasts um, differently now because we're wondering what could have caused this lump? I mean, what, what could you have done that could have caused this? I mean, that's sort of the first thing you need to ask is what did I do to cause this? Uh, because most of the time, that's, the, that's what's going on. And, you know, it's something we've done. So we look at her breasts and she just took off her bra and it had these typical characteristic red marks around her breasts and over her shoulder from the bra, you know, indentations in her skin. And 
suddenly we'd seen those before. I mean, when she took off her bra, but suddenly those were a clue. We were looking for clues, and that those marks are actually signs of constriction. We never thought about it before because it's normal. When you wear a bra and take it off, you're going to have these marks on your skin. Do you think about it? No, until you suddenly have have a disease process, and then you begin to think about it. So um, what could that do? It's a sign of constriction. And constriction impairs you. It means your circulation is being impaired. And the first thing that is impaired when, when, um, when your circulation is, uh, is constricted by a tight garment like a bra, it, it impairs your lymphatic system. The lymphatic system is a circulatory pathway of your immune system. And it consists of microscopic vessels, little tiny tubules, that begin in the tissue spaces and passively drain the fluid from, that's in your, that surrounds your cells. Because your cells are actually like floating in a fluid matrix. And uh, the bloodstream delivers oxygen and nutrients in the capillaries under the pressure of, of the, the blood pressure from the heart. And it oozes out of the capillaries into this tissue space uh, called the interstitial space, or they've actually now the interstitium like it's its own organ and this space is where the cells exchange their waste products and carbon dioxide and take in food and and oxygen and then this liquid is supposed to passively drain to through these little lymphatic vessels to the lymph nodes that's where most of this fluid drains and for the breast most of that's in the armpit so um, if you have any bacteria or viruses inside your tissues or cancer cells or whatever, these um, and chemicals that they release get flushed through the lymphatics to the lymph nodes, which then filter this lymph fluid and look, and, and if they detect anything that requires an immune response, white blood cells are made and there's an immune reaction. Hey friend, I wanted to change the subject for just a minute to read something really important to you. This is feedback we received from a woman named Kelly, one of our amazing users of Immune Intel AHCC. She says, So I've been taking AHCC for a little bit over a month and my skin has never looked so good. I am 35 and have suffered from hormonal acne since I was a teenager. I thought I would never get rid of my acne. I just had my period and I have absolutely no pimples around my chin or jawline. And my melasma is finally clearing up too. I have tried countless prescription and over-the-counter medications and have seen so many dermatologists with little improvement. Also, I feel like my hormones have balanced out. I am less irritable, as well as less inflammation going on in my body, decreased back pain, and bloating. I'm so glad I came across you on Instagram. Thanks for sharing the knowledge. Okay, here's one more, just because they light me up so much to share with you. This beauty is staying anonymous. She says, I learned about Immune Intel AHCC from you on a podcast, and in four months, it helped clear my persistent high-risk HPV that I've had for seven years. I love these two testimonials next to each other because it's a testament to the balancing and normalizing effect that AHCC has in each individual body. One woman was supported with her acne flares and the other had support in clearing her high-risk HPV. I am consistently amazed by the power and intelligence of AHCC. 
To try Immune Intel for yourself, go to themedicine.com forward slash products or just check the show notes below. Cheers, my love. And then eventually this fluid, which percolates through these lymph nodes, which are like filters and detectors and, and white blood cell factories, um, they, then eventually that fluid returns to your bloodstream. So this is how your body constantly checks and cleanses itself. The, the bloodstream delivers fluid into your tissues and nutrients. The tissues release their waste into that, into that fluid as well, uh, takes up the good stuff. And then the rest of the fluid gets back into your bloodstream through lymphatics so it can be filtered and checked for any, any debris, um, any viruses, bacteria, cancer cells, or whatever. So, so this is what it's supposed to do. This is right. what a healthy lymphatic system does, right? Yes, yes. An, uh, and, um, an unconstricted or, or one that's properly functioning. This is what's supposed to happen. Yes. And if you take in toxins into your... We have a lot of pollution in our food, air, and water. All these petrochemicals, plastics, all sorts of stuff. And we breathe them and, you know, and it's in our medicines. And when you take this into your body, it courses through your whole body and has to be flushed out with the lymphatics. So if you then now wear a bra, you're doing several things to your breasts. You're impairing the ability of these lymphatic vessels because they're so easily compressed. They have no internal pressure. It's passively, it moves with when you breathe and when your muscles push on them and they're very passive. So any pressure from a garment can cause these lymphatics to compress and that causes the lymph fluid to be congested in the breasts. So women start experiencing breast pain. And the biggest cause of breast pain is this, bras, causing lymph fluid backup. Now, eventually, that fluid collects into tissue spaces, which creates cysts. And a lot of women have chronic breast cysts, which get worse when their period comes because estrogen makes you retain more fluid and your breasts actually get a little bigger during your period, and they're wearing the same size bra, so it's even tighter. So their cysts are even worse, and the pain is even worse. And when they stop wearing bras, this goes away. The, the lymph fluid can drain. So even if you don't know the thing, science of it, so sorry to interrupt you. I was going to say, well, even, if you, even if a woman doesn't know the science of everything you just explained, she knows the feeling of after a whole day, say 12, 14 hours of wearing a bra, even not even just like a too small, a bra that fits, that's normal. Taking that off at the end of the day, it, it feels like you can finally breathe. breathe. <laughs> and yes. can you explain like when a woman, when that happens, when she feels like, oh, and every girl that's listening right now, you have to know what I mean. It, it feels like there is an actual tangible release in your body. What's happening when you feel that like, oh, sigh of just release? Well, you know, when your breasts are conge congested all day and they're, they're actually swollen with fluid from this. So you're, they're heavier, they're droopier. And by the way, bras make breasts droop more so because of this heavy fluid and your natural suspensory ligaments that hold up the breasts aren't being used because you're using this external harness. So your breasts are swollen effectively, uncomfortable. And at the end of the day, if, if you take it off, believe it or not, a lot of women wear them 24 seven and they have the highest rate of breast cancer. If you take this off, um, well, we'll realize while you, you can breathe, you don't have a tight band around your chest, which yeah. is pressing on muscles and it's also pressing on, on nerves. The autonomic nervous system uh, is affected by the bra. Research has shown that 
um, wearing a bra reduces breathing, reduces digestion. It actually makes you, takes longer for your food to transit through your digestive tract. So that could make you gain weight too, possibly, but it changes digestion. It changes your body temperature, your core body temperature, just wearing a bra. It, it causes um, <clears throat> melatonin. That's an important cancer fighting uh, hormone is reduced in its secretion. It, it changes your, uh, your whole body is changed by constriction. I think the easiest way to think about it is it, your body is really smart. And if you put some, even if you tied um, a band around your finger that was constrictive enough to, to affect your lymphatics and your finger started to swell, you would have a whole body stress response. You'd want to take that off eventually. And it can get more and more painful and, and uncomfortable and you want to take it off. So your body is experiencing a stress when you have anything tight on it because tightness interferes with circulation, which is essential for health. So if you stop anything from circulating, you're setting up conditions for congestion, waste product accumulation, toxin accumulation. And they've even done research that shows that even a surgical scar, if you have any surgical cuts, it cuts the lymphatics and increases the cancer incidence in the area that was just that the lymphatics were serving. Even after they heal, it impairs lymphatics. Whenever you impair lymphatics, cancer rates go up. Mm -hmm. it, it creates um, an immunocompromised area of your body because the immune system has now been compromised. Just cut, its, cut the lymphatics and you know, it's going to affect your immunity. Yeah. Oh, it froze a little bit. So we are cutting off our lymphatics with clothing, tight clothing. Say what? Oh, sorry. I think our connection is just a little hairy right now. Um, so you were saying that our, our clothing is cutting off the proper function of our lymphatic system. Yes. And any tight clothing does that. Yeah. Um, and um, so we're basically giving ourselves lymphedema um, and lymph congestion, which a lot of women get after surgery when they remove the lymph nodes in the armpits and they get swollen arms. Mm. Uh, you know, they, that's, you, there's no reversal of that. I mean, once you messed up your lymphatics, your plumbing is messed up for life. They, they can't surgically alter the lymphatics. That's why doctors don't even know much about the lymphatics. I learned so little in medical school. Most doctors know very little. Mm. For wow. lymphatics, except you remove the lymph nodes, and there's no medical treatment. I can't give you a drug that'll specifically affect your lymphatics. It doesn't exist. Yeah. So they ignore it. If they don't yeah. have a drug for it. They just it doesn't exist as far as medicine's concerned. So when we discovered this, um, we we found that was our theory. We then figured, okay, if this is true, there should be research on this. You'd think. Right. So we went to the research, and this is in the early '90s, before the internet was what it is, and we found that there wasn't anybody that was talking about this. I, we couldn't find anything. And that, that was amazing. I mean, if your feet were giving you trouble, the first thing you think is my shoes, right? right? If your breasts are giving you trouble, the first thing you think is my bras. But we did look at the statistics and worldwide, if there was no bra, bra-free cultures had the lowest rates of breast cancer. So we decided to do our own study and we interviewed nearly 5,000 women throughout the US in five major cities. Half of them had, had breast cancer. And we asked about their past bra wearing habits. 
and attitudes and behaviors. And we figured if this is true, then women who have breast cancer probably use their bras a little differently than women who, who don't have breast cancer. And what we found out was, it was amazing. Um, the, basically, the bottom line is, the tighter and longer you wear your bra, the higher your breast cancer rates go up. Mm. Bra-free women have about the same rate as men. Which That's is, incredible. Yeah, which is at 100th the rate of women. So if you compare a bra-free woman to a 24-7 bra user, the 24-7 bra user has over 100 times higher risk of breast cancer. And that's the same, that's the same between men and women. Mm. So you're looking at breast cancer in women would be so much lower and the breast pain and the breast cysts and the back aches and the headaches. Because when you're, and women with large breasts, they think, oh, I need a bra. No, you don't. If you look at their bodies, you'll also see deep grooves in their shoulders from the bra straps. Those, the pressure, imagine how much pressure it takes. Lifting those breasts and, and it, it pushes down enough to form permanent grooves. And that pressure actually compresses on the nerves going down the arm, causes tingling in the hands and numbness. And that's already been documented in research. This causes headaches, back aches. There is no reason to lift up your breasts. I mean, they, right. they reach a natural position and that's where they belong. And when you wear the bra, you make them heavier and even more uncomfortable and increase the need, reliance on this harness thinking, oh my God, I need a bra. No, yeah. you don't. You don't. In fact, if you well, I think society again, tells us, society and our culture tells us not only, I think not only there's, it, this is multifaceted, I know, but one thing just from my observation is society tells in order to be sexy and look young and this and that, you need the boobs like pushed up, right? They should look almost like implants. That's mm -hmm. why every Victoria's Secret model, if she's wearing a bra, well, they all are wearing bras, but they all look pushed up. And that's our model. That's our model of beauty that's flashed and forced in front of our that. face day after day after day after day. And that's what our society has grown to think or believe or whatever as that's the standard, right? For young, for youth, for beauty. And so I think there's that. And then I think there's also a weird, like unspoken thing about um, like, if you don't wear a bra, if for some reason that it's unprofessional to not wear a bra, right? That you're somehow wanting wanting attention in the wrong way, that you're somehow trying to lure men in or whatever. There's this societal thing that like, well, she must be asking for it because she's not wearing a bra. So me, I know myself and I know my heart and I know that it's good and that I'm not trying to do that. I'm in a long-term, wonderful, beautiful relationship. I am not trying to get that attention. Um, but someone could see me at the grocery store or whatever, and God forbid they see like the outline of my nipple or whatever. And it's like, wow, she must be asking for it. And they don't realize that actually I'm making this decision for my health. And so I can breathe and digest my food. How has it gotten to this point now where it's such a, it's almost like a touchy subject that it's flashed in front of our faces everywhere, but yet no, no one wants to, no one's talking about this. I don't get well, it. Yeah. Well, you know, if, if we were talking 100 years ago, you would say, I can't go outside without my corset or 150 years ago. I mean, women's bodies have been um, objectified so much that 
how a woman feels isn't even the issue. I mean, look at foot binding in China that lasted yeah. into the 1950s for a thousand years. They were binding feet for fashion, causing the toes to rot away. It was so constricted. Their feet were tiny, disabled. <laughs> there was no question why it was happening, but women put up with it and men desired it. These are fetishes. The bra creates a breast fetish by taking a normal breast and suddenly reshaping it for no known reason, just fashion, and bringing attention to it. So it's ironic that you're right. Some people would say, oh, she's not wearing a bra. She's making an issue out of her breasts. No, she's not wearing, the one who's wearing the bra is making an issue out of her breasts. I mean, she's bringing attention to it. She's taking her breasts and moving it in an, un, an artificial way. So she's putting energy into redefining the shape of her breasts. A woman who's not even thinking about it, just letting her breasts be where they are, isn't the one raising the issue. Right. But when you're acculturated to feel a certain way, it, it isn't, a, it, it's just pure brainwashing. So it we is. start with, yeah, and with little girls with Barbie dolls. I mean, we, mm -hmm. we let them be insecure about their bodies. We teach them that their breasts are so important, their appearance is so, and women become alienated from their breasts so much they won't even use them to nurse a baby. They don't want to ruin their breasts. So they, mm -hmm. you know, in quotes, so they will, you know, their breasts have become fashion accessories for men. Yeah. And they'll, yeah. you know, and that's going to be the detriment of everyone. Because when you objectify your body and you're no longer owning it, and if you feels uncomfortable, you figure, well, it's uncomfortable, but it's not my breasts. You know, a woman is like essentially saying, this isn't my body. I can't be with my body the way I want to be because people will think a certain thing. They're on display for others. So others own your body. It's enslavement. And it's yeah. typical. I mean, this is why this has also been a feminist issue because the bra does represent oppression of women um, because they are uncomfortable in them and we're forcing them to change their shape for mm -hmm. no reason. Ironically, gay men are the ones who are the big designers in the bra industry. So they don't even care about women's bodies. It's all fetish. It's all, um, and it sexualizes the breasts. You take a little girl and you suddenly, her rite of passage, you give her a training bra. What yeah. is a training bra for? What is a training? It's training the girl to accept the discomfort of the bra yeah. and that her breasts are now for the view of others. Others are gonna look at her and judge her. And the only way to break free of this is to experience the health benefits of not be, having a bra on. And, and right now, 30 years after we started this, um, because uh, there's a long story that's in between. I mean, we started, basically, we did the world's first study on this, hoping that medical industry would jump on bandwagon and do more research on this. But it ended up because there's a big lingerie industry that makes billions. There's something called the Intimate Apparel Council in the United States, which is the trade association for the bra industry. And they're in UK, they have one too. And, and these big countries, they have trade associations that promote the interests of, of their industry. And in this case, it's lingerie. So they were our enemies from the beginning. But the biggest enemy we had, because they're worried about, by the way, they're worried about class action lawsuits. They've suspected underwires were causing uh, breast cancer now for, for decades. They've been worried about underwires. Doctors, and I've discovered since, by the way, that um, for my revision of Dress to Kill, the book we wrote about this to warn the world, is called Dress to Kill. We tried telling people about this, the, the people who should care, the, you know, the government agencies, American Cancer Society, all these places, and they completely ignored us. We showed them our, our results, no interest. No one wanted to touch a sacred cow like the bra. No mm -hmm. pun intended.
yeah. the idea of the bra was not to be, there is no way we can discuss it. Like you see, it's uncomfortable. So because of a, this is the nature of a cultural cause disease or what we call culturogenic disease. When you're dealing with breasts that are sexualized and women are doing something to the breasts that's causing a disease, you're going to have a lot of trouble talking about it. Because just talking about breasts and everyone gets blushed. Oh, yeah. Even mentioning like the word nipple. I was like hesitant to say that because it's like it's women are and just sex is out there everywhere. It's flashed in front of your face on Carl's Jr. uh, commercials. Nipples aren't sex. Men have nipples. I could show my nipples in public, (laughs) but a woman can't show hers. It's not there's nothing inherent about that that has to be sexual. They're for babies. Yeah, it's what we've made it, of course, as a culture. And, and it's, you it's, don't have to buy into it, though. You don't have yeah. to buy into it. It's hard, it. though. It's hard to separate your mind from... It takes work. It's... it's. I, I will just speak for anyone out there that's like, what? I can't even imagine not wearing a bra. <sighs> yeah, it's hard to separate <laughs> yourself from yes. or just be okay with, you know what? If someone judges me at the grocery store, that's a reflection on them because I know that my heart is is pure. And, um, I I do just want to touch on, you know, we've talked about breast cancer and breast cancer rates. I want to give people a baseline of what the rates are currently. And I was just doing a little bit of research and this is straight from breastcancer.org. I wish Um, you wouldn't use breastcancer.org by the way. They're terrible. Oh, well, I I'm trying to get, I'm trying to get, I'm not saying that they're a great resource for what to do. Right. But, and maybe you can, I'll just say what I found and then you can totally, if those numbers are not right. No, it's not the numbers. It's not the numbers. It's the organization. Yeah. Oh, I agree. The the drug industry is like, they take money from the drug and they've been opposing the bra and breast cancer like and lying about it on their website. They're they're lying about that studies that were not done and all sorts of stuff. They're, they're, they're a bad group to quote. But even if you quoted the American Cancer Society, it would be the same thing. They are also saying this should be ignored. Don't mm-hmm. even think about bras. But their stats are probably accurate. Yeah, that's uh, exactly. That's the only thing that I'm pulling is just kind of a baseline statistic yeah. for how right. prevalent breast cancer rates are. And according to them, one in eight women, so about 12% um, of Americans will develop invasive breast cancer over the course of their lifetime, which is a ton. One in eight women. Um, and in 2020, an estimated 276,000 new cases of invasive breast cancer are expected to be diagnosed um, in the U.S. So it's there's new cases every year. So basically, it's growing. And when you see statistics like that, it makes you just, I'm sure it makes you angry, it makes me angry. Why aren't we looking at the cause. And that's, that's your work. Why aren't we looking at the cause? We're looking at, okay, how do we cut it out better? How do we radiate it better in quotes? How do we give chemo better? How do we, how do we diagnose it earlier before it's even stage one? How do we perform double mastectomies better before it's stage one? So it doesn't become cancer. Like those are all the questions that they're asking rather than why is this happening? Which (laughs) If you had, if you had something, it's so easy to, I, I mentioned this to you before, Sid, but 
it's so easy to recognize in a different culture. You know, using your example before of the Chinese um, binding their feet from years and years ago, binding their feet and they're having foot problems, their toes are falling off. Well, any American can look at that and say, well, no, duh, you're binding your feet. That's not natural. You're, you're doing something to the body that it, it wasn't ever meant to do. And now the body is responding. It's trying to keep you alive by getting rid of the part of the body that's diseased. Mm -hmm. And um, correct me if I'm wrong there, but it's You're so right. easy to recognize in a different culture that's not ingrained in your blood, in your life. It's like, well, it's just normal. Girls just wear bras. Well, for them, it's just normal. We bind our feet. And that's that's, right. that may seem like uh, um, an exaggerated example, but I, I really don't think it is. No, you're right. And people are oblivious to what they're doing to themselves. We, we become habitual and the culture makes us think things. It gives us our assumptions. You don't question your assumptions. When you're a kid growing up and people tell you this is good and this is bad, you might say why, but ultimately the message is because it is. And you, if you act a certain way, you're rewarded. And if you act another way, you're punished. So we grow up with these things that are not really rational. We don't think them through. But um, if it's killing you, if it's causing, if, if you're coming home at the end of the day, you know, you can't wait to take your bra off. Discomfort is your body's message to you that you're hurting yes. yourself. It's you have screaming to listen at to you. That. Yeah, it's screaming at you. And, and if taking them off, if people get shamed, you know, I'll tell you, things have changed. You're, you're, what you have said is, uh, it seems old fashioned in a way compared to what I'm hearing these days. You know, have you heard of the free the nipple movement? Have you heard about yes, that? Yes, yes, I have, but you can, you can um, enlighten us all. Well, I, it's, it's, I mean, I don't have anything directly to do with that. I think it's been in, in part inspired by the uh, awareness that we've brought over the last, you know, since the early 90s um, to this issue of bras that now women are saying, why, why are we wearing them in the first place? I mean, we should be able to be just as free as men to sunbathe with our tops off, to just be healthy and, and free and comfortable. Why can a man go shirtless, but a woman can't? Well, now there are a lot of cities like New York City, it's top freedom is totally legal. A woman can walk down middle of, of Manhattan without a top on. And wow. yeah, and it's, it's like, that's legal. And there's nothing wrong with that because women are now asking for equality. They're asking, why do I have to go to work? I'll tell you one of the biggest obstacles over the years has been I mean, women will take off their bras and within a, a, a few days, they'll, they'll feel so much better, if not yeah, right away. I can attest weeks. to that. Hey, homie. If you've listened to The Medicine Podcast for a while now, you know that Chase and I are extremely selective when it comes to the mushroom products we recommend. This is because after years of researching the mushroom space, we honestly were disappointed to find out that the large majority of these products are diluted and bulked up with grain-based fillers, which led to us creating our own mushroom elixir, Mushy Love Cinnamon Swirl Latte. We were committed to formulating one that is delicious and high quality. One that has a clean organic ingredient list, no gut or hormone disruptors, absolutely zero fillers, and a hefty dose of pure medicinal mushrooms. Mushy Love Latte is the result. 
This is a blendable, caffeine-free mushroom elixir with 500 milligrams each of incredible mushrooms, chaga, and tremella. That is at least two to three times more mushrooms than other very popular mushroom brands out there to support your gut health, immunity, skin hydration, and beauty. Oh, and it tastes like a liquid cinnamon roll, y'all. Just blend one to two scoops with your favorite steamed milk and you have a delicious elixir that you can drink any time of day. You can also blend a scoop into your morning coffee as a creamer with a cinnamon swirl twist. To try Mushy Love Latte for yourself, go to getmushylove.com and use the code MEDICINE, M-E-D-I-C-I-N, for 10% off your subscription or one-time order. Again, getmushylove.com, use the code MEDICINE. Mushy Love is highest quality mushrooms and highest quality love. Enjoy. Oh yeah, and their, their breasts will lift and tone, their cysts are gone, their pain is gone, they could breathe easier, they, they're more integrated with themselves, their self-esteem improves when they stop feeling like insecure about- You feel more out. connected. I will speak as a woman who's done this. You feel more connected to your body, which as a feminine essence, that is, that is the basis of our feminine essence is being in connection to your own body. And believe it or not, that makes you more attractive to your partner or to whoever you're dating or to your husband or whoever. It makes you more attractive inherently when you are more connected and confident in your own body rather than having to always cover up or, you know, like sh shield yourself. Like, okay, no, I need my bra on because I need them to be lifted because I want him to think I'm, my boobs are attractive. Newsflash girlfriend, he thinks you're more attractive with that off. Mm -hmm. I ask a hundred men, a hundred out of a hundred will say, yeah, take it off. And um, so it's just like, we, we have these like myths in our mind about what it means. And, and um, I, I just, I cannot emphasize enough how, how freeing it is not only physically, but also mentally and how much more in tune and connected to your body you will feel. And, and I will say in the, in the quarantine time, like we're, we're all at home, basically give it a try. This is the perfect time to try it out. Take off your bra. Don't wear one for two weeks and see how you feel. That's right. If you wear, don't wear it for a month and you'll feel different through your whole menstrual period will feel different. Uh, some women have told me that they, they knew when their period was coming because their breasts would get sore. And when they stopped wearing a bra, they said that went away. They, they couldn't, they didn't mm -hmm. have that signal anymore. I mean, it, cause the breasts were getting sore because of the bra. You know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's a real simple thing to try. Um, since we've, just to give you more science background, there have now been like dozens of studies confirming the link between breast cancer and bras. But the industry, the medical industry has been the biggest problem because the, um, when you have a paradigm changer like this, I mean, they've been doing all of this research. Imagine if we're talking like we're back in the 1950s and we're talking about smoking because cigarettes were still smoked by everybody. You, they were even telling you it's good for you. It relaxes you and doctors would smoke cigarettes and they, you can even go on YouTube and look up doctor commercials. And you'll see this doctor sitting there lighting up saying camels is my best, you know, and all this. And so you went from a culture 
of everybody smokes to suddenly realizing, no duh, smoking is going to cause lung cancer, right? right? I mean, it's not that big an extrapolation, but they were fighting it. They were fighting against it because there was a huge tobacco industry and all of this research that had been going on on lung cancer was ignoring smoking. Mm. If you were to do lung cancer research now and not ask smoking history, someone would say that's flawed. You, right. you know, it's a major variable. You got to know right. what their smoking history is when you're doing lung cancer. Well, we're now going to have to deal with that with the bra issue. If if you have all this breast cancer research that has has ignored the amount of time and the tightness that women are wearing their bras. You know, it's a lot different if you're wearing like a camisole or, or a bralette or something that is completely, which is now very popular because of this issue. Their bralette sales are going crazy and all the underwire sales are dropping. Victoria's Secret is like going out of business. Everybody in that old image that you were talking about, the sexualized push-up image of the 90s, is gone. I mean, now women want comfort. Mm-hmm. They're, they're wearing, they're no bra free. Bra free is now very acceptable, even in the workplace. And in fact, the laws have changed. You can't force a woman to wear a skirt or a high heels or a bra at work. Mm-hmm. Because if a man doesn't have to do it, a woman doesn't have to do it. If it's not relevant to her job, a bra shouldn't be normally relevant to your job. They can't come and make you be uncomfortable all day. That's yeah. sexual discrimination, and it's considered um, it's it's illegal now. And even kids in high school with the dress codes, their girls are saying, "I don't want to wear a bra." And the principal, you know, calls them in, and the schools are changing. They're saying, you know, as long as you're not, you know, causing a, although it should be the boys' responsibility to learn that if a woman, if a girl, if you can see her nipples and she's not wearing a bra, you keep your mouth shut. And the other thing is, it's not so. It really isn't that provocative. What's more provocative? A girl standing there with normal chest, she's not making an issue. She's innocent and you see her nipples and you see her breasts. She's wearing like a, a t-shirt. Or a girl who's wearing a push-up bra and you see this cleavage, which is like this sexual attraction, right? Right. Who, who's, so do you mean if you get rid of the bra-free girl, there's not going to be any sexuality on campus? Right. That's a good, really good point. That's a really good point. Really good comparison is that's what bras are, are made or, or how they like how they're presented is to not only be whatever functional quote functional, hold your boobs up, but also create cleavage, which is more sexualized. It's more quote attractive and it's, it's sexier to have cleavage versus just normal boobs just hanging there. And, uh, so yeah, that's a really good point. That's a really good comparison. Well, if um, I saw, if I saw two women, one with cleavage and one without, I would think the cleavage one was asking for it, not the right, one without. Right. And I think we need to train men to just respect women and not comment on them, not be, yeah. but we're so used to objectified and it's mm-hmm. it's very hard but women have to stand up for themselves and just say no and and what gives you the power i think is if you try being bra free and we're actually then then you'll know the benefits and you'll know you're, you're fighting for yourself and yeah. you'll feel good about it and we're doing a study right now um it's an ongoing study called the international bra free study and we have women um going it's at a website brafreestudy.org or, or .com brafreestudy and women can join this for free and we're following their progress. 
And we have found all of these things that they, re like what happens when a woman gets rid of her bra? How does she feel? And there are a lot of women posting videos on that now, but we just, we're doing this study. We have over a thousand women in the study now from over 36 countries. And they're reporting like every one of them, when they get rid of their bra, they say, I can breathe easier. Every one of them. It's my, it's amazing. Mm. And think about just that one thing. If you're at work all day with a band around your chest, you're uncomfortable, you're not taking deep breaths, your stress level is higher, you're going to be lower in oxygen, you're not going to be a happy person. And you know, you put on top of that, if you're having your period, your breasts are sore. I mean, it's amazing. When women get rid of their bras, they could do, their lives will change. There was a yeah. documentary on this in the year 2000 out of the UK where they followed like 100 women who went bra-free and they had doctors following them and, and, and they interviewed these women and their lives were transformed. That's what's powerful about this. But getting back to the medical industry, this is transforming the way they do things. This is a huge embarrassment. Now in Iran, they're starting to ask, they, they have articles about bras and breast cancer now. And when they do breast cancer research, they're asking about bra history, like you'd ask about family history. So they're catching on. Uh, that's Iran, of all places. Um, yeah. The biggest studies coming out of this are out of like China and Southeast Asia. Uh, the United States is so controlled by the bra industry and the medical industry that, because um, if you can prevent this disease by not wearing your bra, I mean, think of all the mammograms you're not going to go to. Think of all of the extra surgeries and, and all, I mean, you know how much money breast cancer, it's a huge industry. Yeah, it is. It's a huge industry. Yeah. The 250, that, a quarter of a million women that are going to get it this year, what's their average hospital bill going to be for all the things they're going to need? Yeah. If, you know, I mean, that's a lot. Yeah. So you have a huge breast cancer industry that has fundraising branches that are bringing money in and all this. So over the years that this has been happening, women have been catching on and spreading this despite resistance from the lingerie and medical industries. Uh, so the medical industry had to do a study and they did one out of, uh, out of uh, Fred Hutchinson Cancer Research Center in Washington. I discovered, you know, you can basically get any research you want if you pay for it and they'll give you the results you want. So they pay for the study. It was paid for by uh, the National Cancer Institute, which has been saying bras don't cause breast cancer because they're linked to the American Cancer Society, which has been saying that. And this study was done at Fred Hutchinson that raises money with a bra dash. Okay, they, they have people wearing bras to raise money for them. And here they did a study that included no bra-free women and only women over 55. And they set it up in such a way, which had biases. In other words, if there's no, if only women were all wore bras, there was no bra-free women, there was no comparison group, there was no control group. And they were all older, so that's a survival bias. So a lot of women who were wearing them tight and might have died from this are out of the group. So they're looking at survivors. So I can get a group of 90-year-old smokers and study them, and you can convince people that smoking doesn't kill you because look at these people, they're living in their 90s. So they did a study like that, which was very bad, very flawed, no control group, but because it came out of, an, uh, of a prestigious place that the mainstream uses to discredit things they want to discredit, they have to come up with a study. So they have a study. And it was done by a graduate student, by the way, not even by, um, it, it, was, it was, so they had a fall person if they needed one. It was a pure sham, mm -hmm. but it went around the world as the final word on the brown breast cancer link. Never mind the dozens of other studies. Here's one study that says no. So if you look this up online, you'll be seeing misinformation. And like the breastcancer.org website actually refers to the study I just, I just mentioned as like the only study that was done. 
and says it compared bra users to non-bra users, which it didn't do. Yeah, you have to. And just a baseline for everyone listening, if you don't know, if you don't read clinical research regularly, every legitimate study has to have a control group. They have to have a group where they don't receive the medicine, where they don't, where they're not receiving or they're not they're not actively using or taking the thing in question, in this case, a bra. So that would be the control group. Um, and then the experimental group is the person that wearing the bra or taking the medication or having the therapy or having the treatment. That's standard. That's just known that you need both of those groups to compare. And right. uh, so, yeah, I just wanted to do a little bit Explain of subtitles yes. there for you. Yeah. And a woman who's worn a bra for 50 years for, let's say, six hours a day is not the same as a bra-free woman who's never touched it, never constricted yeah. breasts, yeah. which is the other, another interesting point, is that throughout the last hundred years that bras have been around and breast cancer rates have skyrocketed, the, um, the images that we have, the concepts that medicine has for what a breast should look like, a healthy breast, a normal breast, is one of a bra user because of, of how many women mm. wear bras. Wow. So, that's why they will say to you, when you say to the doctor, why do I have pain in my breast? You know, And the doctor will say, it's normal. No, it's only normal in a bra using culture. It's not biologically normal, it's culturally normal. Mm. And the same with the cysts. And some women have to go for needle aspirations of their cysts. The doctor will stick a needle into their breast, into the cyst, and suck out this lymph fluid that's collecting there. And they'll have to do that like every few months. Some mm. women have told me they feel like a pin cushion going to the doctor regularly to have them, and then they stopped wearing a bra and the problem went away. Yeah. No, wow. That's incredible. All right. We're back. Sorry, you guys. We're, we're having some, some Zoom connection difficulties, but we are back. And I just wanted to recap a little bit, um, talking, speaking to Physio physiologically, what is happening in the the body, in the breast tissue when it's constricted and why that would cause a problem. Um, the lymphatic system is affected negatively. It's cutting off circulation and it's basically preventing your body from cleansing itself. So things get trapped. Would you, is that right? Is that a good summary, Sid? Yes, yes. Okay. Uh, well, the fluid backs up as well. So you're giving yourself... Uh, lymphedema of the breasts, a mild congestion of mm -hmm. fluid every day yeah. for years. And that takes yeah. its toll. And that's really unnatural for the body. Um, yes. So if, if, you know, I'm just thinking, I'm thinking for my listener, there are going to be women with, without a doubt that, that know the feeling of, oh gosh, taking off my breath feels so good at the end of the day. They know that feeling. They also are hearing the research that there is a link, there is a connection between long-term, you know, chronic bra wear and the risk of breast cancer going up. Um, they hear that. They, they hear stories of women who have gone bra-free and it's changed their life. And they're still like, I, it's weird though. I don't really want to. What about when I work out? Can you give people like, kind of like a, we're, we're weaning into maybe getting to the point where it feels normal and it feels good there's going to be women that just do it and they're happy. But for the woman that's skeptical, um, are like loose bralettes okay? Like sometimes, or what would you say to that? Yes. If, if you, the key thing is you don't want to change the shape of your breasts because to 
change the shape and move their position on your chest, lifting them, pushing them in or whatever. Mm-hmm. All of that applies pre- pressure. You can't change the shape of the breasts without applying pressure. And the pressure is what interferes with the circulation. So you don't mm-hmm. want to do that. Um, so you can wear anything loose. Uh, you can wear bralettes, t-shirts, camisoles. You can cover your nipples that way. You can wear vests. And there are ways of dressing to de-accentuate your breasts if, that's, if you're having a problem with that. Mm-hmm. Um, the, and when you exercise, you can use a sports bra if you want to. Um, but sports bras are very tight and right. you shouldn't use them as a regular thing. They're like, think of it like a man might use a jock strap, although I don't even think yeah. men use those anymore. <laughs> um, kind of weird, same thing. It's like a testicle bra and, yeah. um, you know, and that's when you're jumping and it's supposed to help you with that. I don't know. I don't know. If, I don't even know if they sell them anymore, but <laughs> it used to be extremely important when I was a kid, you have to have your jock strap, even at school for a little kid. Um, just like a girl, I guess you need your yeah. bra at school. Um, but take it off when you finish exercising. Mm-hmm. Um, but realize exercise is the advantage of exercise is, is it allows your body to circulate even better, improve circulation, especially the lymphatic system actually flows 20 over 20 times greater flow when you're exercising. Now, if you're going to constrict your breasts and mobilize them in a bra, um, that well, immobilization, I didn't mention that the lymphatics actually pump. They have one way valves in these vessels that move the fluid from one section to the next and keep it going in one direction. And when your breasts are moving as you walk, it helps pump and propel this fluid through these. So there's the natural movement of your breasts is important for breast circulation. And if you immobilize the breasts in a bra where they're just tight, you've seen women like this. I mean, there were, and almost all women are wearing their bras too tightly, by the way, even the bra industry says that. Um, Mm. So they have very tight, very hot, constricted, immobilized breasts that are basically sitting with toxic fluid inside them from, from constriction. Um, they're not going to get the benefit of the massage of the exercise. So mm, it's really wow. best if you can exercise bra free and they've actually done studies on athletic women who found it much more comfortable to be bra free once they got used to the, the, the feeling um, and being natural again. I mean, ever since you're hitting puberty, you wear a bra, it feels on, it feels weird or psychologically uncomfortable to not be with the bra. But physically, once you get used to that, you won't want to ever wear a bra again. So um, the other advice I give a large-breasted woman if she wants to exercise is pick an exercise that doesn't, doesn't have a lot of bouncing involved. Um, you know, if you have to have exercises that are appropriate for your body. Mm-hmm. If you're a very heavy person, you don't want to go jogging or you'll mess up your knees and your hips and your ankles. Uh, you know, if you're a large-breasted woman bouncing your breasts around, with jumping and everything, you probably want to have a lighter exercise, maybe swimming, bicycling, yoga. I mean, there's a lot of things you can do that aren't hard on your breasts and on your body. So you have to adapt to, to the activity as well. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I'm thinking about for my own exercise, I, I exercise very frequently and I'm thinking most of what I do, I'm going to practice what I preach here. Okay. So most of what I do is yoga and body weight exercise and a lot of walking and do some biking. Um, I really don't run a lot. So there's just this, this, you know, kind of programmed software in my brain that I need a sports bra. But when I really evaluate what I do and what I enjoy doing, I don't actually need a sports bra. I could wear like, if I've, 
I don't even really need to wear that at all. Like once we start asking ourselves these questions, you kind of, there's this little light bulb that's like, oh (laughs) yeah. The only thing that I would think is if I was going to a big box gym and didn't want to nip out or something, I would wear like a loose bralette. But again, that's societal. That's don't, I'm not trying to draw attention to myself. Like that's hardwired into me to try, like, try to be more modest, you know? But at least it's not constrictive. And yeah. that's the key. I mean, if, if the modesty issue is what you have, then, then there are ways of hiding your nipples, although yeah. it is absurd, but there are ways of doing, I get it. I understand totally. and I'm not critical, but it is, I, it is absurd that our culture does put this trip on women and your nipples you can wear just another layer. Some women put pasties on, you know, or a rubber, ba- a Band-Aid rather over yeah. their nipples, something to cover them. Um, I think yeah. we'll get past that eventually. There are enough women who don't care. And the free the nipple movement is like basically saying, this is absurd. Why are we women having to deal with this? Yeah. I mean, we don't, our nipples aren't only sex objects and, and shouldn't just be seen that way. And right. especially if we're not even meaning them to be that way, you know, so it's something that the culture is working out. There's no question yeah. about it. But as long as you're not constrictive, as long yeah. as whatever you wear doesn't leave red marks or indentations, when you yeah. take it off, there should be no marks on okay, anything. Okay, that's that's a good that's a good um, kind of thing for someone to take into consideration. Is is what I'm wearing, whatever I'm wearing, is it leaving any red marks or indentations? Look for that in what you're wearing. Use that as kind of the measure of is this too tight or is it not? And yes. really, like most of us are doing at home workouts right now. Um, you don't need it. You don't, I mean, I don't, I don't use it for, for if I'm lifting weights or doing yoga, you don't actually need it. And no matter what you think about the, you know, the activism in the society or, you know, the free the nipple movement, whatever, I'm not asking you to go topless. I'm not, I'm asking you to ask the questions about your own health and being an advocate for your own health and asking really good questions to support, to support your long-term health. And that, and this is a big part of it. And so whatever you you want to think about the society stuff, but at least ask the question, is this good for my health? Yes. And, and I wanted to say also exercising uh, with, without a bra helps you strengthen your ligaments. Mm. Ligaments strengthen under gravity and under pressure and under, you know, tension. And if you don't put any tension on them, they weaken and they atrophy. Mm. And that's why women, when they take their bras off, their breasts are flabby because the ligaments are not yeah. working. The bra is doing all the work. So once you stop wearing a bra, the ligaments start to work again and they begin to tighten and, and your breasts mm. will lift and tone. When my wife, by the way, her lump went away when she stopped wearing her, her bra. Wow. We had a normal pregnancy and a great, uh, you know, our child is like 30 years old now. And the, um, the, the thing is she now, in the beginning when she was bra free, it felt kind of, not many other women were doing it back then in, in the early nineties. So, but when she would like run or something, she'd have to put her arms over her breast to like support them while moving. I mean, in the beginning, she was like that, a little uncomfortable with it, but now, uh, but within about a couple of weeks of, of moving and she got to where she could rebound, you know, bounce on a rebounder without a bra, with her breasts just moving. And boy, does that pump your breasts. I mean, if you want to get circulation. Another thing, by the way, that we weren't able to say comfortably back then, which we can easily say now, um, is breast massage. 
Hey friends, by now you probably have picked up that Chase and I are committed to living optimally healthy lives. We are obsessed with small actions that have profound benefits for the entire body, which is why I'm super excited to share the benefits of ASEA with you. ASEA is classified as a cell signaling supplement, meaning that it supports cellular regeneration and communication. Our overall expression of health comes down to our individual cells and how they function. And with so many toxins, pesticides, and disruptors that unfortunately exist in our world, it's no wonder that the body starts to break down and express disease. We'd like to limit that disease expression if possible, and it is possible. ASEA is full of redox molecules. These redox molecules are the communication centers of your cells. We're born with redox molecules, but they steadily decrease over time. So ASEA redox comes in two different forms, used in different ways, but both have incredible capacity to help the body heal itself. There's a liquid and a gel. ASEA Redox Liquid is something we drink daily to increase our internal cellular communication and regeneration throughout the body. We've noticed that our digestion, sleep quality, and recovery after workouts has all improved. The gel is a topical product that can be used for pain or fast healing of injuries or skin issues. I personally use it on my face twice a day to promote smooth, nourished, clear skin. And honestly, my skin has never been softer or smoother in my life. I'm amazed. The gel also increases blood flow significantly. So TMI, but we love to use it before sex to increase blood flow and sensation. I won't get into all the details here, but wow, it really works. To learn more about how ASEA supports your entire body and see a full breakdown of uses, you can go to themedicine.com forward slash ASEA. That's A-S-E-A. Or you can just check the show notes, of course, for the direct link. We are committed to only sharing with you guys what has made a significant impact on our lives and overall well-being. Cheers to cellular health and cheers to ASEA. Okay, bye. Um, you can do a self-massage or which you should do. Oh, every woman should get to know her breasts. You should know where the lumps are, where the tightness is. Your breasts should be smooth and comfortable. I mean, there's nothing mm -hmm. that should be like that. And if they're lumpy, if you get rid of the bra and you allow the fluid to decongest and then you massage your breasts and, and you know, some of the chiropractors have even said because of the pressure of the bra, especially with an underwire, it, it, um, a lot of women are putting it right over, it's causing adhesions between the muscles and the bones, mm. your ribs. I mean, it's actually pushing so hard. And a lot of women will also place it over the breast tissue itself, like in the armpit area. Uh, they get, what, what do they call it? Side boob, I think they call it in, yeah. in common terminology. And they're actually cutting, the bra is like cutting right into the breast because your breast tissue extends further into the armpit area than you think. Mm -hmm. And when you put these bras on and you look at the outline where, where the wire is, I mean, these are made for mannequins, not for real women. Yeah. And your body shape changes throughout the month and even throughout the day. And you have to breathe and your rib cage can't expand properly with a bra. So you think about all the things wearing this harness around your chest. We also haven't talked about what's in the bra. Bras have toxins in them itself. A lot of the bra fabric 
uh, if it's if it's synthetic fabrics, it breaks down into chemicals that could be cancer-causing chemicals. And um, and think about what the detergents and fabric softeners and and the sweat and all the things that are in this bra that leach out. I mean, new bras have formaldehyde in them. I mean, there's a lot of wow. bad chemicals in clothing. And now, since our research came out in the early '90s, there have been a whole bunch of bra manufacturers coming out with new bras that has, there have been development of a whole new products and patents based on our research. Wow. Uh, they, they don't, I don't get compensated and they, they tell me after the fact, but our research is the basis of these patents for new bras. Um, and um, so the, one of the big pushes is, so you realize it's not only the bra constricting your breasts, but it's also the toxins in the bra. So try to wear things because it's really intimate with your skin. Right. I mean, it's not like a loose fitting shirt. It's intimately connected to your skin. So yeah. as you sweat, I mean, whatever is in that bra, you're absorbing into your breasts, into the skin. So it could be delivering the toxins as well. That can cause some of which can cause cancer as well as preventing your breasts from flushing them out. So it's, it's um, terrible. And there's, if we would get rid of bras, I mean, you, you don't, might not realize the statistic on this. You, you gave the statistics on breast cancer, but on bra, you, um, on breast pain, uh, you're talking about like 80% of women, of women. Yeah. We're talking tens of millions, hundreds of millions of women around the world wearing bras and suffering breast pain as a result and, mm. uh, and breast cysts. The biggest cause of all this is the bra. Some women, there was a study where these women came in, they were large breasted. They thought they wanted, they were in such discomfort. I, you know, they, oh, my back hurts and all of this. And they thought it was because of their breast size. And they went to this um, surgery to try to get their breasts, re, you know, reduced. And instead of doing that, they did a study on these women and they had them change their bras because they, every one of them, it was way too tight. Wow. So they had these women loosen up and they didn't need any more. Uh, they didn't need surgery anymore. Their symptoms went away. Wow. So a lot of women think that their breasts are giving them problems with not knowing why. And it could yeah. be, this could be the very reason. So what, so from the results now from our bra free international bra free study, we're seeing women's menstrual cycles normalize even. And I've seen the literature they've, they've said that actually changes your hormones wearing a bra and it affects your menstrual cycle. So you could, I mean, things that you would never even yeah. believe would be affected by this. But you, I mean, if you, if you see the body as one whole dynamic being, it's not, oh, there's some breasts and there's an arm and there's a leg and there's a head and there's a brain inside. It's one dynamic being. Yes. It's not a whole bunch of separate pieces glued together. Everything works together or it should. And so it makes sense to me, but this could be this could be a light bulb turning on for a lot of people like, oh yeah, those are connected to the rest of my body. It makes sense that other, other body tissues and organs and processes would be, would be affected positively or negatively. Well, you know, there's also tight jeans syndrome, which you know, all these, the, the trend right now for everyone wearing these like pencil thin jeans yeah. That actually causes nerve compression and it's caused and, and uh, nerve damage down the legs. And it's called wow. hygiene syndrome. Anything tight is bad yeah. for you. Compression clothing, even, I mean, 
if you compress the body, you're not allowing circulation. Mm, so if yeah. you, even if you have like an elbow um, brace or people with like their wrists with tarpal, carpal tunnel, they'll get like, um, they'll often be told to wear like a brace or, or a, like an ACE bandage where there's some elastic holding it together. When you're wearing anything like that, that's elasticized, elastic is terrible. It, it holds on by constriction. And as it's squeezing, these, it, the pressure is not even allowing you know, proper blood circulation. Mm. So if you have tissues that need to clean out from damage, you need lymphatic flow to remove tissue debris. That doesn't go back into your bloodstream from the, from the tissues. It has to go through the lymphatics. So let's say you have an injury in your wrist. You're going to have to break down tissue and rebuild it. That's part of the immune reaction. If you have, while you're doing that, if you're constricting that area, it's not going to be able to do it. So you'll end up wearing these braces for a year or more, wondering why it's never getting better. In fact, you're going to even make your ligaments weaker because of putting a brace around them. And any of those cells that have pressure on them, they don't like it. Mm. Pressure, there's a lot of new research going on little energies on the body, uh, subtle pressures, little forces. And think about this. This was an example I just read from somebody. Um, it made so much sense. It was very powerful. You look at, at braces that people wear for their teeth with like one gram of pressure of, 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 um, of pressure on these teeth with the, uh, the way they set up the braces, mm -hmm. just one gram, a tiny amount of pressure will move the teeth in your face. It's just a constant, constant yeah. pressure. If you had water dripping on your skin nonstop, it'll give you an ulcer eventually. I mean, it's, it's crazy. So you imagine wearing a bra from puberty onward every day, 12, 18. I mean, Playtex have the 18-hour bra. I mean, think about how long that is. And then yeah. some women are thinking, if I take my bra off, they've heard this myth from the bra industry that it'll prevent your breasts from drooping when it's the opposite. So they're afraid. And in Southeast Asia, by the way, where they used to have very low rates of breast cancer because they never wore bras um, in modern times, they, um, they're getting breast cancer rates skyrocketing because they're wearing bras now and they're looking very Western and they're wearing them 24 seven because the women there are extremely compliant. And if you tell them this is what you should wear to be proper and it'll save your breasts and make them perky, then they'll wear it and they'll do it 24 hours a day and their breast cancer rates are skyrocketing. I, I actually had a, a news team from South Korea come over and interview me a few years back uh, because they were seeing this tremendous rise in breast cancer cases that was you know, unheard of before, that's coincidental with bras and they knew about my work and, um, and now my book is in, in Korean as well. I mean, it's all over the world in different languages, but um, women are catching on. And the good news is today's millennial women are typically much more questioning of past behaviors. The Me Too movement with not wanting to be sexualized and feeling all this sexual oppression, has led to women now not being able to be forced to, to be sexualized in the workplace. So yeah. you don't have to go to work with a bra on. And if your boss tries to, to do that, you could sue. I mean, you really can if you want to take it that far. They have no yeah. right to do that. Um, yeah. So th that's encouraging. It is, and yeah. I, I think we're going to see breast cancer rates drop. I really do. I think we'll see them drop in a few I years. I hope so. And this... Uh, the coronavirus, you're absolutely right. This is the time to try this. This is the time to try this. Perfect. I, I think we'll have um, a whole generation of 
yeah, this is no excuse not to be bra free right now. No, so no, I'm just try it. Try. And, and you don't, honestly, you don't need the piles and piles and piles of research. Do your own experiment on yourself. That's Take exactly it off. Right. Don't wear it for a month, even when you exercise and just listen to your body and see how you feel. Um, so just, I would highly encourage you just try it. There's no harm in just trying it. And, you know, this is something that's really close to my heart because my, my mom, I I've shared a little bit before, but my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer, healthy woman, other than that. And we were all, you know, shocked when she got it. And it just, it gets you thinking about like, what, what environmentally or culturally could have caused this, you know, in her and, um, who knows, we'll never probably know now, but it's just something to think about and to, um, to just try, just try it. With and let, me, let me emphasize one point. It's not just the bra. We live in a toxic world and right. there's, you know, the, there are a lot of cancer causing agents in our world, including radiation all sorts of things that we're exposed to, radiation even from mammograms. Um, but you have all sorts of insults to our bodies that have to be cleaned out by your immune system. And we survive very well if, if we don't tie its hands. Yeah. So what happens is the culture is getting in the way of our being healthy, of our, li of our bodies functioning the way nature intended them to. Yeah. The body's made your breasts where they are. If you try to change them for fashion, you're gonna affect the way they work. You can't make your body a different shape without making it a different function. And that's what's going on. So everything in your life, and when you start opening your mind to this type of a thing, you'll begin questioning all these other things that you do to yourself. And yeah. we, we've done that and done a whole bunch of other research discoveries. Once you open your mind to the lifestyle cause, because medicine's busy looking at the biochemistry. They want to know what drug to use on a biochemical level. What can we block and how can we manipulate mm -hmm. the body's chemistry? So they always reduce it to the chemical level. If, if, and I know, I was a biochemist. And it, but if you think about it on a cultural level, this empowers you and realizes, well, the products, and this is another big of the culturogenic problem. We live in a country, a culture, where a lot of money is made selling us these products. Yes. And, it wants, and, and they aren't pre-tested for what are they going to do to us because the, we don't want to... Uh, squash innovation and new discoveries by limiting and saying, okay, before we we bring in 5G, um, you know, um, for cell towers, which a lot of people are worried about, um, the culture isn't going to say, let's do a whole bunch of research first on 5G and see if it causes any problems. Right. They don't do that. Instead, they say, we're doing 5G. And then if there's a whole bunch of problems developing, if you finally realize what it's connected to. Years later. At that point, yeah. And then the medical industry will say, well, we'll come up with tests so we can discover the brain cancer earlier, or we'll discover this earlier. You know, we'll try to do early detection. And then the other industry, the, the industry that's responsible will fund research saying that there isn't a problem. And as soon as there's research that contradicts any other research, it's considered controversial and you're not going to get any government bans or government doing anything else. That's a key thing. Whenever there's a study that says something under deodorants cause uh, antiperspirants can contribute to breast cancer. There were studies on that. Well, what happens is the underarm and deodorant industry, which is a multi-billion dollar industry also, they, they're afraid of lawsuits if you suddenly discover their, right? So they're going to pay for research 
That'll yeah. show it isn't a problem. And you can get a researcher to do anything. So, I mean, they, they work for grant money. And some of them have very low scruples. So they'll, they'll, they'll publish. And if their results aren't what the government, or aren't what the company that funded it wants, they don't have to publish those. The company has the right to not even right. publish the findings. So it's, it's, everyone is against you in this culture. <laughs> there are people making money getting you sick. And then there are people making money trying to make you get better. And no one is trying to tell you, stop doing the things making yourself sick in the first yeah. place. Because it's right. bad for the economy. There's so much money being made on disease. And then people buy it willingly because they buy into the image. Yeah. So it takes a strong person to take it the does. independent mind reflectively and walk your own path. It's your yes. life. And the culture is not here for you. It's right. here to use you. You're a pawn. And if you don't want to be a pawn, get off the chessboard and do your own thing. Right. Oh, I love that. That is such a good note to end on. Oh my gosh. If you don't want to be a pawn, get off the chessboard and do your own thing. Exactly. That's where I feel like I'm at in my life. And I just appreciate your work so much. Um, I think you've shed so much light on an issue that is completely in the dark. And you are wonderful for doing that. And I hope that I can aid in whatever way um, to help spread your message because it's an important one. And it's, it's very close to my heart, no pun intended. And um, I just, I, I want to give people a chance to, if they want to join the, the bra free movement study, right. That you, you talked about, right. um, where can they do that? Well, it's at, at the website, brafreestudy.org. Okay, perfect. And, and you can, you will give you information on that. And yeah. Yeah. Yep. I'll put it in the show notes. So guys look at the show notes for the link. If you want to, if you want to join that and where, where do people, where do people go to connect with you and your other work, your book dressed to kill? Where's all that? Well, um, I have another website, which, which will give references and all that, which is at bras and breastcancer.org. Cool. And my book is available everywhere. It's now on audio book. Uh, we updated dress to kill um, just like in 2018. Um, Perfect. And it was um, with new studies that have come out since our initial study and with information about how they knew about this way back, even in the 1930s. Dr. John Mayo of the Mayo Clinic, who started the Mayo Clinic, he mm -hmm. wrote in an article in the Annals of Surgery that breast cancer is only a problem in cultures where women wear tight tops. Yeah. And they already knew that. If he said where they where they don't restrict their breasts with any clothing, they don't get breast cancer. So, I mean, this was understood back then. They understood lymph stasis, uh, impairing the lymphatics caused cancer. So anyway, that's all updated in Dress to Kill, which is available everywhere. And perfect. Um, I love once, that. You know, there's there's a lot of other things we've done. Uh, maybe you can put a link to my academia.edu absolutely website where they can see all these other articles we've written. Yeah. Um, there's and, yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, did you look at the one, um, Ivanka Trump? Yes, I did. Oh my gosh. She gets nitpicked for her nip pick. <laughs> 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 I 
And you know, one thing that I really appreciate you, which is something that I try to do too, I feel like we're a little bit of kindred spirits here, is educate while also making people smile and chuckle a little bit. Because that's honestly, one, when people want to read your work, when they know that they're going to come out of it feeling educated, but also feeling empowered and amused a little bit. Um, and you really do insert that. And um, I oh, think that you. it's great. You insert some humor, but it's right alongside top-notch education. So um, I, well, you I'm- You need s- humor with, with, thank you. You need humor with taboo subjects. And I- Absolutely. I think I, that's what I deal with is all sorts of taboos because the taboos are in the dark. And that's why we have all these diseases related to those taboos because we just- can't even talk about we're like children when it comes to these subjects and we have to get past that and open up the conversation and ask why we're doing all these stupid things right and just stop and what what better time than now when the whole economy is stopped the whole culture is like stopped everyone's alone in their house with their own lives and now is the time to look at your life look at yourself and clean it up yeah you know it's like a karma time if you've if you set up your life to be miserable and you're at home with your spouse who you can't stand and your kids who you can't stand and, and you know, you're dealing with your reality right now. And if you don't like it, now is the time to get, change it. Right. Change but it. first ask yourself, turn, turn the question on yourself first and like, look at yourself. What am I doing? How can I change? Where, where, where could I improve and grow and evolve? So yeah, I love that. Okay. So before I go burn all my bras, um, (laughs) I want to take a poll honestly after this and see how many women while they were listening to this took off their bra during this podcast episode. Um, I can guarantee there's, there's quite a few. Instead of burning, instead of burning your bra, just cut it in half and make two masks. Yeah, there you go. Yes. Oh, I love that. Perfect. I love that idea. <laughs> You're helping yourself and society, you guys. Um, okay, the very last question that I have to ask you, which I ask everyone on the medicine, because we're about disease prevention for the body, mind, and relationships. What for you right now is current medicine, quote, medicine for your body? Um, I'm eating a lot less. Hmm. Um, now that I'm home and, you know, I'm, uh, we're in an age group, my wife and I, where we don't want to go out, um, to be on the safe side. We've uh, gotten a lot of food, uh, stored up that we had to buy, um, you know, different grains and things to be self-sufficient for a few months. So, um, I'm eating less because I want to let it last and I'm being much more aware of my diet. And, I'm, and now that I've stopped eating other foods, um, I realize when I add them back how it feels. Yeah. So the best way to really change your lifestyle is to stop doing a bunch of stuff, let your body ground out and get rid of the effect of those things, and then add them back one at a time and feel it. Like I stopped eating meat um, pretty much for a while because I have limited resources of meat right now if I don't go out and I have just so, so much freezer space. And then I ate a little piece of steak the other day and boy, did I feel it. It's like, Mm. and I had some, uh, another type of, uh, I had some pork and it made me so hot at night. Mm. It like gave me night sweats just having certain meat. And I repeated it and it was, it was the same effect. So I'm learning how my body reacts to things that, so I'm going to take that out of my diet again. And it's nice to clear things out. And I'm, I'm discovering I, my whole digestion has changed. So that's a long answer for you. It gives me 
that's what I've been doing. I'm looking at my diet, simplifying it, putting like lentils and beans and rice and, you know, ease, that kind of food. And I'm finding that it gives me more energy and a different rate of digestion and a whole bunch of stuff. So that's what I'm doing for my body. I love that. Yeah. You're, you're paying attention and, and adjusting accordingly. That's yes. what we're meant to do as humans, I think, and cycle, cycle things. Um, so I think that that is great. Perfect answer. And what about for your mind? What's some current medicine for your mind? Um, turning off the news more uh, so I don't constantly look at it obsessively and, um, and trying to fill my mind with less stressful um, videos and other things, more humor. I think we need more humor. This is not the time to watch a video on like virus pandemics right. or things like that. <laughs> yeah. You need to watch Dumb and Dumber, Parks and Recreation, <laughs> The Office. Exactly. That's honestly what my partner Chase and I, I'm just like, I just need to laugh. Can we just rock, watch Parks and Rec, please? That's exactly what we just did. We went for the whole Parks and Rec. We never oh, saw that before. We are kindred we spirits. It was great. <laughs> oh, yes. I love that. And what about for your relationships? What's the medicine for your relationships? Well, um, I'm always focused on relationship and trying to be a good partner. And um, I think what we're doing is, I mean, so we always spend time together all the time, my wife and I. Uh, we we co-research. We do everything together. So I haven't changed much on that, but I, I think um, implications of this whole thing, like um, what would happen if one of us got sick? Um, how would we deal with that? Um, because, you know, be in isolation, you wouldn't even be able to see the person necessarily. So talking about the tough, tough decisions, tough things you have to deal with, uh, life and death questions. And at times like this, I, I think about those things and I talk about them. So I think from a relationship point of view, realizing, you know, thinking about what it would be like to be without my wife or for her to be without me or our son. And, and it, it makes your relationships even more precious. You, you just yeah. realize how much you appreciate having each other and that these are the good old days that we're together and we're all okay. Yeah. So I think it just brings that into relief when I, you know, um, yeah. So yeah, there you go. I love that. Yeah, I've noticed the same. I've been with Chase since I was 16 years old. And I still, even to this day, like this whole, these virus times have brought in a whole new layer of gratitude for him. And um, yeah, so I totally know what you mean. And I love that. Um, well, I, again, thank you so much for being on. I know we could talk for probably four more hours, um, <laughs> but, uh, your work is really important. And I just want to take some, take a moment to honor you and to just tell you that it, it's so needed and you are such a light in this world. And, um, I thank you. I will say goodbye to you, you. off air. But um, just for all my for my listeners out there, I, I hope you really got a lot of value out of this and that you heard both of our hearts, that it's 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 about education and health and that's and love. And that's the basis of why we do what we do. And um, I can't wait to hear your stories. I know I'm going to get a lot of them and I will pass them on to Sid as well. Um, so yeah, go burn your bras and enjoy the rest of your day. Have a beautiful week. Go spread some light. Stay safe. Stay sane. Stay healthy. We'll talk to you guys next time. Bye.
If you liked this episode, make sure you hit that subscribe button in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you prefer to listen. This will ensure that every episode drops into your library automatically. Also, make sure you're following me on Instagram at Mimi underscore the medicine. To learn more about our favorite health products, foods, and supplements we discuss on here, along with the discounts, visit themedicine.com forward slash medicine cabinet, or just check the show notes for this episode. Until next time, cheers, boo.